Do you live in the middle of nowhere and feel separated from the church? Yeah, that's me. Or do you think the church is out of touch? Absolutely. Then this podcast is for you. Coming to you from the Diocese of Sioux City. What? Where the hell is Sioux City? Welcome to Outcast Catholic with your hosts, Father Sheen Demon and Father Travis Crotty. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Outcast Catholic. I'm Father Travis Crotty. And I'm Father Shane Demon. And it's good to be with you, Father Shane. It's good to be with you, listeners who are tuning in. Father Shane, it's uh, fall in the Midwest. Fall has arrived. A big cold front, a cold front kind of moved down through Iowa, and it's it's reaching here into Missouri here even, as well today. Even uh, down into Missouri. Like the summer heat that we've been experiencing here for weeks now. No, it's kind of cold. We are revving up right now as we speak, Father Shane. In about an hour, I will be preparing to go to the Bishop Heelan Homecoming HOCO 2023 football game and it's going to be cool oh, i didn't know it was homecoming week Congratulations. oh yeah hashtag hoco 2023 um very excited it'd be good we are um your last couple years at healing were not uh great for the football team uh right not a lot of wins but we are five and one right now so we're doing well oh congrats kind of exciting yep that's awesome and as i was i was telling you beforehand as you know as an uh, esteemed alum of bishop healing catholic school Memorial Field, dedicated in 1949 when the school was uh, established for all of those who gave their lives in World War II from the Siouxland area. Uh, the plaques had been removed for construction purposes, and they're being rededicated this evening. So we'll have a nice little windy, cold rededication. So I think I'm going to suit up with an Alban stole and some holy water. And I told a couple of the football players to like, give us some of that, too. I'm like, I got you guys. I'll get you some holy water. So they're excited. Good. Where are the plaques going to be now? I don't exactly know. Okay. I'm showing up with uh, a prayer in a folder and a, sto- a stole and some holy water, and hopefully okay. they'll point me in the right direction. I, we did, however, um, secure a, a microphone that would project my voice because otherwise you, nobody would hear what I would say, sure. uh, just kind of over in the corner. So it'll be wonderful. Well, good. Anything new? Well, in a, you know, when I ahead. was growing up, we, we would refer to it as the old sophomore locker room. Okay. Uh, which is by the visitor's gate entrance. There used to be a pretty large building there with multiple locker rooms in there, coach's office, and concession stands for the visitor's side. And I seem to, seem to remember there were plaques there that would go back to um, veterans as well who were whose names were engraved over there. I believe those so are these the— these might be the same plaques that you're rededicating tonight the in the very location. Same, very same plaques. Yeah. So that should be exciting. What's new in the Lou? Anything new in St. Louis? You know, um, things have been really good here. We we just had last night the annual Kenrick Lecture, and Dr. David Fagerberg, a retired professor of Notre Dame, uh, came down, and he spoke about theologians of abnegation. It seems like a, a pretty, you know, fancy term, but he's he's you know, a very, very well-accomplished theologian and, and well-published in many different areas. And he's been writing some new papers and some new works on um, kind of counter-Reformation saints that talk a lot about abnegation and the renunciation of self as a way to kind of be immersed more deeply in the divine presence of God. And and we could do several episodes on that alone, which yeah. we might circle back to at another time. Um, but he was extremely bright, very engaging, very funny. Uh, it was it was just an excellent lecture that we hosted here last night, and I think the seminarians uh, were were pretty pumped up about it. That is that's wonderful. I just referenced the Kenrick lecture today. In fact, 
um, about Father Robert Spitzer, who came and spoke when I was there at Kenrick. So there's sure. always like a, a rock star lineup of of different people who come and speak at that. I have one St. Louis question, Father, uh, to ask you before we jump into this topic, um, okay. because it was it was proposed to me last night, and I was a little thrown off because the person asking me was was quite passionate about the question. The question was, do I like St. Louis style pizza? Have I asked mm. you that question before? I don't think you have. It's very contentious, even in St. Louis. Right. And, and before you answer, I'll just give the uh, I'll preface it for the folks at home. If you've if you've had the opportunity to experience St. Louis style pizza, you'll know that it's a cracker thin crust, kind of like big toppings on top. But right. then the most controversial part is the cheese, right? That is called provel. Now, right. for no, but for the people who have no idea, imagine like what what Velveeta is to cheddar, provel is to provolone. So it's kind of like a processed cheese that melts very quickly, but when it stops being hot, that's where the controversy comes in. It it has a specific taste, yeah. and it's very controversial. What do you think about St. Louis style pizza, Father Shane? Yeah, I would say Provel cheese is not my favorite, but I do like the thin crust yes. loaded with toppings. I mean, it, it cuts up into nice little squares for appetizers very easily. It's a different pizza experience than like, you know, deep dish in other parts of the country, but I do like it. Yeah, the Provel cheese, kind of odd, but this guy was very upset about it the other night. So I just wanted to, you know, clear the air as far as that goes. Okay. <laughs> Father Shane, it is autumn. It is cold, but it is also a specific kind of uh, unofficial season within different dioceses. That would be confirmation season. Sure. It is upon us, right? So Mm -hmm. the bishop travels around. Well, all the bishops in the U.S. are traveling around to various parishes, and they are giving young people the sacrament of confirmation. I have given numerous confirmation retreats over the years, but especially this year, just driving all over the place, Mm -hmm. helping out, you know, encouraging holiness and Christian maturity for our young people who are approaching the sacrament of confirmation. But I had the opportunity to go to a confirmation recently. I was the confirmation sponsor of a friend who hadn't been confirmed when he was in high school and then is, um, is, was confirmed now, which is wonderful. But a lot of the questions surrounding the sacrament of confirmation have been coming up quite a bit in the context of these retreats, but then just in the context of different families who are going to these confirmations or have their children in confirmation programs. And next to maybe anointing of the sick, I think confirmation might be the most misunderstood sacrament in the mm-hmm. life of the church, you know, but it's one of the most, <coughs> excuse me, got a little tickle in the throat, must be one of the most kind of, it's the most common insofar as it's the sacrament of initiation. And so many people go because it's a time to celebrate kind of your son or daughter, your niece or nephew, your grandson or granddaughters, what some people experience it as kind of final step in Christian maturity, right? But I thought it'd be helpful to break down what confirmation is and maybe to help our listeners and ourselves have a new appreciation of the gifts and fruits of the Holy Spirit that we were given, but just to have a fuller understanding, because I find a lot of people are outcast within the context of one of the most important sacraments of the mm-hmm. life of the church. Is that sure. has that been your experience of general kind of confusion around the sacrament? Oh yeah, I think there's lots of confusion around the sacrament. Um, when it should be celebrated, uh, what is the preparation involved, what is the right disposition that one needs to have in order to receive the grace of the sacrament, and then to continue to foster that grace, cooperate with that grace, and let it really blossom 
in an adult witness of the faith. Um, yeah, there's lots to unpack there. There is, and I'm excited to in our short treadmill length episode. Um, just to begin with, like maybe the via negativa, what confirmation is not, what most, what a lot of people assume that it is, right, is perhaps a, a Catholic bar mitzvah, a coming of age opportunity to choose, right, whether you'd like to kind of be a, an adult Catholic in the life of the church, right? So a lot of the times, unfortunately, confirmation can feel like a graduation within faith formation uh, at a parish, right? It's like mm-hmm. everything is leading up to this point of confirmation, and then we see this kind of drop-off of young people's participation in the life of the church. And a lot of dioceses confirmation exists still in high school, I know in the Archdiocese of St. Louis, it's in eighth grade, and there's usually kind of a formation process in those last couple years of maybe we used to call it CCD or faith formation, family of faith, whatever it is. There's usually these retreats involved and kind of this last push to maybe try to bring back these students who have kind of waffled and fallen away from a practice of the faith. And a lot of us who've worked with young people, we experience these different challenges. But what confirmation is not is a Catholic bar mitzvah, right? There's nothing wrong with bar mitzvahs, a coming of age of Jewish, you know, young boys, where you're kind of like set in front of the community to be witnessed as a grown-up, you know, a grown-up in the faith. That's not it, because confirmatio, uh, the word confirmation means like with, with affirming, right? With a strengthening. So like what's happening in the sacrament of confirmation is that what's happened in baptism is being shored up is being like firmed and strengthened. And I love is St. Thomas Aquinas looks at all the sacraments and he says that just as we have this natural progress- progression of growth in our lives, we can see that that's an analogy to the sacramental life of grace as well. So we're born and we're reborn in baptism. And confirmation, and we can kind of jump into this, ought to be the second sacrament that we receive, but it's not, and it might be a little controversial, but it's a strengthening as we grow up and we're strengthened in our identity, right? As a member of our family, as we're strengthened in identity as a, uh, a man or a woman, we're strengthened with the same gifts of the Holy Spirit in a fuller measure. And then that last sacrament of initiation, the Eucharist, right? We're nourished throughout our life, our natural life, and we're nourished throughout our spiritual life. But confirmation is this weird spot. So I thought just a, a brief explanation of like kind of how we got where we are. A lot of folks out there don't recognize this, but in the early church for a long time, really up until about 100 years ago, confirmation was received before the Eucharist. Baptism, confirmation, and then the Eucharist. However, St. Pius X, wanting children to receive the Eucharist at a younger age, lowered the age of communion but kept the age of confirmation a little higher up. So at a certain point, kids were confirmed when they were 12, 13, 14 and received the Eucharist at that same Mass. So it was still preserved. But Pius X wanting children to receive the Eucharist at the age of reason lowered the age of communion but kept the age of confirmation in some places, right? So we've seen over the past 10 years or so what some people call a reordering of these sacraments of initiation to recognize what the Eastern Church does, the Eastern Catholic Church is the Orthodox Church, that children are baptized, then confirmed, then receive the Eucharist. Because there's a fuller outpouring of the Holy Spirit, a strengthening to live the Christian life in a secular age, and there's these graces associated with this wonderful sacrament. But unfortunately, it's been treated like a graduation from faith formation programs or a Catholic bar mitzvah where we choose our faith. So I'm going to say one last thing. I'd love to hear your thoughts, Father Shane. But 
I like to ask this question of who is confirming what in confirmation? Like who is doing what in confirmation? And so many young people and parents, they say, oh, I am confirming the fact that I'm Catholic. I, as a young person, am saying that, I, yes, I am fully Catholic and I'm going to live this Catholic life. And I said, no, the sacraments are what God does. We respond to his, initiative, his initiation, but like God is the one confirming us. The Holy Spirit is the one filling us. We're being strengthened by the Holy Spirit so that we can live as a mature Christian woman or man. But it's God who's doing that work in us through the sacrament. It's something we receive, not something that we do, right? Yeah, I've got several thoughts here. Um, Good. I wonder if historically this this move to kind of treat it like a, a Catholic graduation, this strong emphasis to say, okay, now that you've been confirmed, you're ready to go out and give kind of an adult witness of the faith. I wonder if that's just because of, of an emphasis, as you say, the response that ought to come by the grace that is unleashed within a person given to them by God, right? Perhaps we put such a strong emphasis on the response to the grace that has come about, it has automatically kind of assumed this idea of taking on an adult uh, witness of the faith. And that's true. Uh, that is true that we would want everyone who is fully initiated into the church to live a very robust and mature witness of the faith. Um, but, but as you're pointing out, um, the, the, the life of the sacraments is always much more ordered to what God is doing in our lives than just simply what we're bringing to the table or what our response could be even before the grace of the sacrament is given. Uh, th- this is the whole trajectory of revelation. God works first, right? He reveals himself. He comes with our plan of salvation. He sends his son to earth. He gives us the gift of the Holy Spirit. And from that, that great revelation and that outpouring of grace, we respond and actually are drawn back up into him thanks to his grace in this great movement in which he condescends towards us and he embraces us and draws us back up into his divine life. That same trajectory has to be present in all of the sacraments, including what we're talking about with confirmation. Uh, the, the very humble acknowledgement that God really does want to descend upon us and confirm the initial graces of baptism, strengthening those from within, and allowing us to really burn brightly with the full expression of the gifts of the Holy Spirit and all the charisms that God has given to us for our uh, respective vocations. That, that has to be first and foremost ordered to what he is doing in our lives and what he wants to activate, what he wants to ignite, what he wants to draw to himself. Uh, and if that perspective is there, then great. All of a sudden now we, we realize we are stepping into something much bigger than ourselves rather than just trying to take on this own personal enterprise of I'm going to just rev myself up to be an adult in the church. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the first ordering ought to always be what the Lord is doing in our midst. Yeah. That's exactly right. And I think as you're pointing out how God works, I've seen a lot of growth in myself over the years when I was in seminary. The gift that the charismatic renewal has brought to the church, to the Catholic church in particular, to the universal church, to the Christian church, is a recognition that God wants to give us his Holy Spirit. He wants to fill us with the gifts, and he wants to bring about the fruits of the Holy Spirit in our life and in the world. That's what he's laboring to do in us all the time. And we get to cooperate with that grace. We get to accept that invitation and then hopefully live not just God sends us out and he stays back at the castle or whatever and we're his you know, knights out in the world. No, he accompanies us and he accompanies us with these graces for married life, 
for for life as students, right? For life in a secular community in a post-Christendom age where it's difficult to be a Christian, it's difficult to be a Catholic, the Holy Spirit fills us, right? But too often I know for me, what was interesting for me in my confirmation, sophomore year of high school is when I started thinking about the priesthood, and confirmation was actually there, those classes, there was a context. I was experiencing some challenge from my Baptist friends. I'd go hang out at their youth group all the time. I'd play frisbee golf with them all the time. But I started to get some pushback and some challenge. And one of those friends at one point said, well, you're not a Christian, you're a Catholic. And I had plenty of Protestant family. I have Lutheran grandmother, Missouri Synod Lutheran. So I'd experienced a lot of non-Catholic Christian worship. I'd experienced a lot. I, I knew the distinctions between Protestant and Catholic. So it was this moment where I said, no, I, I have received something, and I and I want to know more about that, and I want to invest myself in that more deeply. And at the same time, because of a few different situations and conversations and experiences, this idea, this thought of the priesthood was coming about. So I remember very distinctly at my confirmation being very attuned to that God was doing something, that this wasn't just like a kind of a dry ritual that I had to go through because I was 16 or I was 15 or whatever it was, but that God wanted to do something in me. And it... it I'm so grateful that I can look back through all these different experiences of my life to say that, oh, he did. Just like our ordinations, there are these beautiful ceremonies, right? But there's something that happens there. Mm-hmm. Um, in all of the sacraments, something happens. And I think so often, if that's what we experience when we're in high school, is that this is just kind of a, a coming-of-age experience, then it doesn't really affect us then, but then does it continue to affect us? Do we recognize that we've received the Holy Spirit, right? And then the same is true for marriage and holy orders, that... There's this grace particular to our way of life. There's now this grace particular to living as, a, as an adult in the church, to living as a, a fully initiated member of the body of Christ that accompanies us through different struggles and joys, but that the Holy Spirit is with us and accompanies us and wants to be our paraclete, our helper, wants to help bring about you know, a renewal in the life of the church, a revival to build up the kingdom of God, that God's with us, yeah. So you said earlier, Father, that you know, you've know you been to plenty of confirmation masses. We all have. And there's lots of people out there who might be kind of experiencing a, a kind of an outcast moment. They might be wondering, why am I even here getting <laughs> confirmed? What's this bishop about? What is this ceremony about? Do I really understand what I'm about to receive? And can, can I have an open disposition to cooperate with that grace? But then we can also look around and see all these gathered family members maybe people who are quite distant from the active practice of the faith who have come here because they know, well, this is some sort of a, a, a big moment in the life of my niece and my nephew, my younger sibling, whoever that might be. Um, you know, when when you come to these kind of moments, you know, Father, I'm kind of curious from your experience, what recommendations might you have so that the liturgy itself and the shared celebration of a family member, a friend, a grandchild, a niece or nephew, somebody entering into uh, the graces of confirmation, how does this not have to be an outcast experience for everyone in the life of the church? Or perhaps how could it be a renewal of someone's their own bapt- or baptismal and confirming graces? Thank you for that question, Father Shane. That's, that's a great, that is a great question. I just want to offer uh, this, you know, there's a different list of the fruits of the Spirit, gifts of the Spirit, but the fruits are really what resonate with me so often. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Like, we all want more of that. Like, listen to those again and just think of your life right now. Where do you need more of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, 
faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I get bent out of shape sometimes, and my high school kids know it, when there's, you know, there's like tumblers and glasses that say, be kind, and there's like signs, kindness, spread kindness like confetti. My question is always like, whose kindness? Like, why? What is this kindness thing, right? And there's this idea of like, well, we should just be kind, nice, polite people. For what? What does that mean, right? But it's different when we say, no, like I'm, I've been given the kindness of God, the gentleness, the love, the peace, the joy, the patience of God. I've been given Christ to be configured to him, the Holy Spirit. So when we come to these moments, and this is true for every mass, but especially as these confirmations come up in your life, if you're a young person who's receiving it, or if you're a parent or you know a grandparent or you have nieces and nephews, where do you need these fruits of the Spirit to come alive in you? Because as they receive the Spirit in a fuller way in the sacrament, we're always encouraged to recognize that we've received the sacrament, right? It's like when priests go to an ordination, you're renewed in your own ordination because you're watching the same gifts being poured out on this brother. Not unlike the chrismas when we promise again these commitments to the priesthood, but it can be an opportunity for all Christians to recognize the gift of the Holy Spirit that's been given to them right through the power of God and especially through the sacrament of confirmation that you received. Like, where do you need the Holy Spirit to fill you with more knowledge and counsel and piety and fortitude, especially in fear of the Lord and all these different things that help us in our life? Like, where do you need him to fill up in you what's lacking? Because he wants to give you love, joy, peace, and patience in your family and your home. He wants to help you be gentle and kind with those you interact with. He wants to give you the grace to see him in all these moments and all these different people and all these faces. So these moments of liturgy where we come together as the body of Christ, we recognize God's presence among us, but we also recognize that we need him, that he wants to give himself to us, and in a special way that through the Holy Spirit, he wants to fill up these things that are lacking in us, bring about these fruits. Yeah, I would just point out, you you listed there kind of the traditional understanding of the gifts and the fruits of the Holy Spirit, which are wonderful and they're accurate and they are so encompassing. But if anyone listening to this has a particular grace that might not be delineated in that list, maybe a, a grace of endurance and perseverance, maybe a grace of fortitude just because they're feeling persecuted in their faith, um, maybe just a, a reactivation of a desire for prayer, a desire to have a desire for prayer, even that itself can be full of merit. If any of those things are really stirring in the hearts of our listeners and they're feeling very distant and separated from the graces that they received in their confirmation, to be able to bring that to prayer and say, Holy Spirit, please activate this in me. Ignite this on fire and draw me closer to you through the gift that I, I know you, you have given me and, and really want to bear fruit in my life. Uh, no one should feel afraid or embarrassed uh, to be able to do that and should do so, you know, quite eagerly. Good thoughts, Father. Well, Father Shane, thank you so much for your, your encouragement right there. And let's all ask the Holy Spirit to fill our lives in a deeper way so we might continue to build up the body of Christ. God bless. Come back soon. Thanks for tuning in. Send your questions and comments to outcastcatholic at gmail.com. Catch you next time, and God bless.